interesting and exciting day coming ahead of us in February. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Special day people look forward to, brings people together. You know what I'm talking about? February? Valentine. It's not Valentine's. I'm talking about the start of the Winter Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounded like I was talking about Valentine's. 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea. Starting. Yeah. In not, not, too, not too long from now, I think it's February 9 is the opening ceremonies. In my family growing up, we loved the Olympics. Who loves the Olympics? Man, even on my honeymoon with Sarah, it was during the Summer Olympics. So it was perfect, you know, we, were, we would come in from activities and we got to watch some of the things going on down in Brazil. And it was just awesome. I love the Olympics. My sister probably loves the Olympics maybe even more than I do. When we were growing up, you know, the Olympics happen every four years, and it used to be that the summer and winter weren't every two years, well, staggered. They used to be on the same kind of four-year cycle, is my understanding. So she would think, I'm 10 years old now. By the next Olympics, I'm going to be a teenager. I'm going to be 14. And it was hard to wait four long years for the Olympiad year to arrive. So I grew up waiting for the Olympics. We knew names like Brian Boitano and Nancy Kerrigan and who could forget Tanya Harding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. History lessons for some of you kids who weren't even alive 10 years before that or after that. You know, waiting can be hard, right? It's hard to wait. In my house, we would wait for the Olympics and be excited for the Olympics, but we wait in our lives for so many things. You go to the bank, you wait in line, right? You go to the drive-through at the wrong time of day, you wait in line. Even for a system that's designed to get you through fast, you have to wait. You go to your job in the morning or to school and there's traffic. You wait on the road, you wait in your car. You go to the airport and you wait. To the doctor's office, you wait. We work throughout the week, many of us, and then we wait for the weekend to come. We just wait expectantly. We wait for a better job or we wait to find a job. We wait for a meaningful relationship. We wait for times to be with our family members. We wait for our children to be born. And then sometimes we wait for them to grow up so they can get out of the house and on their own. And then we wait for them to have kids and bring our grandkids to see us. We wait. Sometimes we wait for a loved one to get well. We wait for them, hope for them, pray for them to be healed. Waiting is a part of our lives and it's not always an easy part, but it's something that we can't avoid. So I have two questions for you as we start this morning. What's something that you wait for? What's something that you wait for in your life? Something simple, something complex. Summer. Summertime, as a teacher, you wait for the summer, yeah. Students are probably waiting for summer too, huh? 
Vacation, yeah, of course. Those holiday Mondays and those spring breaks and summer breaks and all those things. Yeah. Yes, we wait for our family members to give their lives to Jesus. What else do you wait for? The World Cup. Copa Mundial. Yes. And we wait for the U.S. to be in it next time. Maybe. At least the men. The women are always doing awesome. We wait. Uh, now, here's another question. What makes waiting so hard? At least for most of us, it's hard. It depends. Okay. Probably depends on what you're waiting for, right? And how long you have to wait. And whether you know how long you're going to have to wait. It's nice, at least, when you're on one of those, like, service lines, you're trying to get help with Comcast or whatever, and they tell you, you know, it's probably going to be this many minute wait. At least you have an idea uh, how long you have to wait. What else makes waiting hard? What's that? Selfishness? Lack of patience. Insecurity, did I hear? Yeah. Uncertainty? Yeah. Yeah, we got things we need to do. We need to have this arrive. We need to have this go so that we can do the next thing. And Man, waiting is a challenge. But you know, the Bible is full of waiting and people who waited. And I want to take a, a brief overview of some of that today and see what lessons we can learn because chances are you're probably waiting for something in your life. And maybe you've been waiting for years for certain things in your life and there are good things that we can learn about waiting. So I want you to go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 130. Psalm 130. We're not going to study this passage. We're just going to read it real quick. David was no stranger to waiting. The psalmists were no stranger to waiting. I'm going to read through this passage real quick. And then we have a lot of other things we're going to get to. Psalm 130. It's called a song of ascents. The little little small print right below my Bible says that. A song of ascents. You know, the reason it's called a song of ascents, as I understand it, is because on their pilgrimages to Jerusalem, not everybody lived in Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, on their way there, they would often sing these songs. They were fortunate enough to know the tune. And Jerusalem was on this elevated place. It's a higher city. And on the way up, on the way ascending, they were able to sing certain songs, and this song was especially made for the trip up to Jerusalem, maybe for the Passover or for one of the other yearly festivals. And notice what the psalmist says here. It doesn't specifically say it's written by David, but it very well might have been. It says in verse 1, Out of the depths I cry out to you, O Lord. Sometimes when you're waiting, it feels like you're waiting in the depths, in a very deep and dark place. Verse 2, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. This is a prayer. A prayer David is praying, and as we'll see, it has everything to do with waiting, among other things. Verse 3, Lord, if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. And then verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word 
I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. You know, in a city like Jerusalem, you want to make sure that you're prepared in case there's any surprise attack. And so you have watchmen, people standing on the walls, looking out throughout the different periods of the night, making sure that the city is safe. And you can imagine someone standing there, sitting there, in the wee hours of the morning, throughout the night, being cold, being tired, waiting for their shift to be done. The watchman waiting and hoping for the morning to arrive, to see the sun rising again, waiting for the morning. And sometimes we're like that. We're like that person waiting. We're cold. We're shivering. We're lonely. We're tired. And we're just wanting to see a glimpse of that light coming up telling us things are going to be better. Telling us that the answer to our prayers has arrived. But even in his waiting, David, or the psalmist in verse 5, says he puts his hope in his word. Waiting and hoping go together. Verse 7, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. It was realized that while I'm still waiting, while it feels like I'm calling out from the depths, ultimately the word of God gives me hope, and there's hope that ultimately God is going to take care of my need. David knew how to wait. He knew whom to wait upon. He knew what it was like to wait. But ever since the very beginning of time, our whole human, human history is filled with periods of waiting. Adam and Eve in the garden, they would wait for God to come down in the cool of the evening to go on walks together. And then after they sinned, they found themselves waiting, hiding in the bushes, wondering when God would find them. Abraham, he was given that promise, you're going to have a son. And then how long did he have to wait? 25 years go by. Ooh, that's a long period of time. I'm only 31. That's my whole lifetime, you know, and a few extra, a little less than my, my whole lifetime of waiting. Joseph, Joseph waited in prison for two years, unjustly put there in prison. He waited, uh, waited, that servant said, yeah, I'll remember you. I'll, I'll put in a good word for you. With the king, he waited for two years. The children of Israel were in Egypt for 400 years, waiting for the promised land. And while they were waiting, they were in slavery. They knew what it was like to wait. Again, later on in their history, because of their disobedience, they had to go to Babylon. The Babylonian captivity, the prophet said, would be 70 years before they'd get to go home. They waited for 70 years for the command to be given. As a nation, they waited thousands of years for the Messiah that was promised all the way in Genesis chapter 3. God's people in the Old Testament knew what it was like to wait. But in the New Testament, they knew what it was like to wait also. Mary, she was given the promise, you're going to have a baby. He's going to be the Messiah. That must have been a hard nine months for her to wait. Waiting, wondering, what's going to happen? And then on their way 
to the place where Jesus was born. They were waiting to find an inn, waiting just for a place to, to settle down. The wise men eventually came, and they waited while the scribes were talking with Herod, or they waiting to hear, well, where is this child going to be born? Then there was Simeon, that old man at the temple, who had been waiting for his whole life for what he called the consolation of Israel, waiting for the Messiah. And he finally, as an old man, got to see baby Jesus. Joseph and Mary and, and Jesus escaped to Egypt, and, and then Joseph waited for the right time to go back into the promised land, waiting for it to be safe again for him to return. Jesus waited for the right moment to begin his ministry. He started it at basically my age. He waited all those years for the right time. And then he said, the time has come. Even the parables of Jesus actually have elements of waiting, right? There's the parable of the sower. He, <coughs> excuse me, he had to wait to see what would happen to the crop that he sowed. The parable of of uh, the farmer who planted good seed in his field. He had to wait and see what was going to grow. And then once there were, there were weeds also growing, he said, no, 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 we're going to wait to pull up the weeds until later. The parable of the mustard seed. Jesus said the tiniest of seeds can grow into the, you know, of this big old tree. But it takes time for that to happen. It doesn't just happen overnight. Elements of waiting. As you start to look for them, you see them all throughout the Bible. You see them in the parables, the ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom to come. Or you see the servants waiting for their master to return. The disciples waited while Jesus was whipped, flogged, crucified. They waited in hiding, not knowing what was going to happen during that weekend when Christ was in the tomb. Then after he was resurrected, the disciples waited for 10 days in the upper room. We had the 10 days of prayer patterned off after those 10 days of waiting. You know, we as Adventists are, are built upon this foundation upon, upon waiting, right? The word Advent is referring to like the coming of Jesus. And so we as a people in our name are reminding ourselves that we're waiting for Jesus to come. We're a movement founded upon waiting. So waiting is, is all throughout our history. And it's funny because it's one of the things that our society and we as a people have such a hard time doing. Right? We try and eliminate waiting by having the self-checkout lines, the express lines, the fast food lines. We have all these things. We have faster methods of paying now at the stores. Right? You can even pay with your cell phone. Uh, Amazon has, is piloting a store in Seattle where you don't even have to pay. You don't have to go through a checkout line or anything. You just, through technology, what's that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Simon works for, for Amazon. And so you just basically go there and you put stuff in your cart that you want and then you just leave. And it takes care of the payment. Yeah, it automatically charges it because we don't want to wait for anything, right? We have these instant meals that we put in the microwave and we heat it up and we just don't want to wait. You know, it was funny because yesterday I had the sermon put together, but I just needed to print it off and go over it last night and my computer was being so slow. 
so slow. I had to restart it, and even that wasn't working so well. And I just was getting really frustrated that it wasn't working, and I realized the irony because I wasn't wanting to wait for my computer while I was preparing for the sermon on waiting, right? So, so just be comforted. This sermon is as much for me as it is for you. Amen? We're all in this together. We struggle with waiting, but waiting is actually a good thing in many cases. I mean, even think about music. Where would music be if there weren't rests? Period in between the notes, where there were pauses. It helps add to the rest of the music by having those breaks. Where would waiting be if we never took a breath or we never stopped speaking? Pauses can be very effective. And God calls us to wait. The psalm we read, Psalm 130, said, Wait, wait upon God. Trust in Him. So for those of us that struggle with waiting, I want to look at four reasons, and there are many more, probably, but four main reasons why we have to wait. Is at least if we know why we might be waiting, it'll at least help us out a little bit with the waiting process. And then we're going to look at three things to do while you're waiting. So if you're the type of person that takes notes, Pull out a pen, pull out the bulletin, another piece of paper. Write these things down. It may help you remember them, and it may help you when you have to deal with waiting. Reason number one for waiting to occur is it's natural. It's normal, and it should be expected. Right? If you want to grow something, it takes time. And, and God gave us all these metaphors about growth comparing us to plants, comparing us to trees, comparing us to all these things, we should expect that waiting is a normal process, but it's a process that involves growth. In fact, let's go to James chapter 5, verse 7. All the way to the end of the Bible, James chapter 5 and verse 7. James chapter 5 and verse 7. I'm reading from the NIV today. It says, Be patient then, brothers. Patience involves what? Waiting. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming, the Lord's return. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient, there's that word again, he is for the autumn and spring rains. Verse 8, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Giving us examples. But that word patience appears, I, I counted it three times. Be patient, be patient, be patient. Think about the prophets. They had to be patient even in the face of difficulty. And by the way, while you're waiting, don't grumble. Don't say bad things about each other. Wait patiently. Because the farmer has to wait. It's a natural process. And during the waiting, growth can be occurring. So number one, expect waiting. Expect it because it's a natural 
thing to happen. You know, you go to the doctors, you wait in the what? In the waiting room. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we get to the doctors, oh, I have to wait? <laughs> yeah. I went to Kaiser uh, just two days ago, and I went to the ER, through the ER, go visit somebody, and I was shocked. I'd actually never been to Kaiser before. When people get sick, I guess they, they have other health insurance, so they're going other places. So I'm there, and I'm like, wait, is this the right room? Because there's nobody in this waiting room. This can't be the ER. Maybe there was one person, and, and it was. So I said to the lady, I was like, wow, this is just, there's nobody here. This is awesome. And she was a little uh, nervous. She's like, yeah, she's like, don't say that, basically, because she said, I'm paranoid. All right, not paranoid. It was, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some word I'm, I'm not remembering right now. Superstitious, that's the word, thanks. She said, I'm superstitious, don't say that. And it was amazing, you know, when Sarah had her appendicitis, uh, it, half of Modesto was in the ER. <laughs> and it was a miracle yesterday. But, but, but the, we have these waiting rooms because you, you expect that you're gonna have to wait. Are you in the waiting room right now for a promise, for something that you're praying about? Expect waiting, it's a normal process, and it's an opportunity for growth. You know, another reason, reason number one why waiting occurs is it's, it's natural, and growth can happen during the process. But reason number two is sometimes we're waiting for something because we have the wrong expectation about what God's gonna do. For example, if, I am, if I'm convinced that God's gonna give me a Lamborghini, and I'm praying and I'm waiting for it, how long am I going to be waiting? Probably forever, right? But I see this, and it's unfortunate. People get so mad at God because God didn't fulfill their expectations, and maybe it was because they had the wrong expectations about what God was intending to do. Are you following me? So from an outside perspective, God's saying, I am doing something in your life. I am working, but... It's not the way you're expecting it. So we have to be careful that we think about our waiting and realize, is, did God tell me with confidence that this is what I should be waiting for? And I don't know, fill in the blank in your own life. But we have to be humble and realize we may have misinterpreted what we think is God's will in this area of our life. Life is not always what it seems, and sometimes there are curveballs that appear to be thrown at us. They're really not curveballs. We just thought it was going to be something else. And so we have to keep that in mind. My friend Maurice, I'll have him come speak for us sometime. He's a great guy. One time he went to pick up my friend Jay from the airport in San Jose, and he's there. You've done this before probably. You know, there's the cell phone waiting area when your friend calls you and says, hey, I'm ready, okay, so then you're able to move out because they don't like you to just park there um, right outside baggage claim. So he's, he's ready, he's waiting, and Jay says, okay, I'm here, Maurice. Okay, uh, I don't see you. Well, I'm, I'm right here, bro. Where are you? Well, I, I'm underneath this sign. It says whatever, Delta. And, yeah, I'm looking at the Delta sign. You're not there. And they go back and forth. And eventually the one person realizes they're at the wrong airport, 
right? So Maurice had thought he was supposed to be at this airport when he was really at the San Francisco airport. Ugh. Maurice was waiting with the wrong expectation, and so he would have been waiting forever. So we need to make sure that we know that we're waiting for the right thing if God has called us to wait for something. Reason number one for why waiting occurs is it's natural and growth can happen while you're waiting. Reason number two, it might occur, and these are in no particular order, but maybe you're waiting for the wrong thing. Number three, go to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. Reason number three is there are spiritual battles going on. Book of Daniel, chapter 10. This is a, a really thought-provoking passage and really kind of pulls back the curtain on these unseen battles that are going on. Daniel chapter 10, and we'll start in verse 1. It says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who is called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned the great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. Now, verse 2. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, nor wine touched my lips. I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. He was fasting for three whole weeks. And finally, it says in verse 4, On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the banks of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up before me, and there a man dressed in linen with a belt of finest gold around his waist, and it goes on to describe this amazing heavenly being. Now look at verse 12, because this explains Daniel's three weeks of waiting, because he started praying, asking God for something, and three weeks later, an answer came. Verse 12, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Daniel, God heard your words on day one. But check this out. And he says, and I have come in response to them. Verse 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Prince of Persia. This isn't a human prince. Human prince wouldn't be able to, in this major way, stop a heavenly angel. This is a spiritual prince, a prince of darkness over the realms of Persia, who is going to battle against this angel from God, and the angel was sent on day one. But this battle goes on, and I don't know what the battle looks like. The Bible doesn't give us more information about it. But for three weeks, they are locked in gridlock until finally Michael, the archangel, was sent. And he blazed away for the messenger and the messenger to go through. Sometimes we're waiting, maybe because there's a spiritual battle going on. And, and, and if anything, that should be a call to pray more. Amen? Amen? There are powers of darkness that are warring against the powers of good. Praise God. God is more powerful than all. But there's a very real battle going on. And we might be waiting because the unseen battles that are going on. So reason number three for waiting, spiritual battles are happening. 
And reason number four, simply put, free will. Free will. You know, somebody mentioned waiting for our children, uh, waiting for a loved one to come to God. And God, being the gentleman that he is, will never force his way into someone's life. And so we wait and we pray because God respects the choice of every human being. And that's probably one of the biggest reasons why we wait. It's because God respects our free will. But that's no reason to give up praying for our family members, our friends. Amen? We should keep on praying. And Jesus tells us that we need to be persistent in our prayers. And those prayers are making a difference, making an impact. So three reasons, four reasons rather, for, for waiting. But what should we do while we're waiting? What, what should we remember and know while we're waiting? Thing number one that we should know and remember while we're waiting is that you're never alone when you're waiting. Sometimes it, it seems like you're alone when you're waiting. But you're never alone. Is anybody waiting for something right now? Just raise your hand if you're waiting for something. So just look around. Are you alone in your waiting? No. There are all of us here that are waiting for something. And we saw all the characters of the Bible, one after another. And we could have gone all afternoon probably thinking about stories that involved waiting. You're never alone in your waiting. So take time to encourage other people. Let them know to keep hanging in there while you're waiting. Be a source of encouragement. You know, you think about the people in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. They did a lot of waiting. This afternoon, you could read through there and think about the different individuals mentioned by God who had to wait. And it says even there in Hebrews 11 that they died without receiving the prize of heaven yet. They're still waiting for their ultimate redemption. Number two thing to remember while you wait is that good things can happen. And we touched on this a little bit earlier. But God wants to use waiting as an opportunity for you to grow. God wants you to to grow, James 5, 7, we saw that, that the seeds grow only while you're waiting. If you make a loaf of bread, you can't do it instantly if you want the bread to rise. You've got to wait. So what are you allowing God to do in your heart while you're waiting? Are you allowing God to do something in your heart while you're waiting? If you're willing, you can grow and develop as a Christian in the process before you receive your answer. We can't control when we wait and how much we wait, but we control what we do while we wait. In fact, look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I'm going to start to wrap it up here in a minute. Some of you are waiting for that. <laughs> 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In a sense, God is waiting to return because he's waiting for more people to give their lives to him. Maybe he's waiting for you. Maybe he's waiting for me. Maybe he's waiting for the, the couple hundred thousand people here in Modesto and around the world. God's waiting because he's wanting people to give their hearts to him. Good things can happen while we wait. Which leads me to the third point and final point. What should we remember? Waiting is meant for working. 
You know, the word in English, it's not this way in Hebrew or Greek, but in English, the word wait has a couple of meanings. I can wait and I can be a waiter, right? Somebody who serves and works. So waiting is meant for waiting. Serving God. He gave us the commission. Spread the gospel to everybody. So while we wait for him to return, we're meant to be working. And it's a lot more fun to be doing something than just to be sitting around, right? It's a lot more fun. It's more fun to be in the game playing than to be sitting on the bench, holding the bench down all game long, right? Waiting is meant for working. You're never alone while you wait. Good things can happen while you wait. And waiting is meant for working. So so do something. Ask God to give you wisdom what to do. But do something while you wait. And we can cooperate with our prayers. If God's laid something specific on our heart, we can cooperate in our prayer for that. If we say, God, help me to be healthy. Help me to be strong. Well, we, we go to the gym like I saw Kiran there. Working out, right? Working out. And, and I was there too because I want to be healthy. I want to be strong, right? <coughs> we can cooperate with our prayers. Working while we wait. The year was 1942 and the month was March. This, of course, was during World War II. Franklin Roosevelt had given the order to General MacArthur to leave the Philippines. Now, some may see this as as a cop-out and and we could debate the merits of of this decision or not, but the point is, he left 90,000 troops there on those islands as he left, but he had hoped in Australia there'd be more troops to help reinforce and then come back soon. But he left with a promise and he said, I will return. I will return, but it took a long time and a lot of people died. The Bataan Death March happened during that time and by the time he returned, two and a half years later, there were only about a third as many soldiers as when he had first left. But as he waited, Ashore, two and a half years later, MacArthur said, People of the Philippines, I have returned. He came through finally on his promise. We have a a much better commander, a much better general, who left us, not in an act of cowardice or not in an act of courage, however you look at it. He left because he had to, and he sent us reinforcements with the Holy Spirit. And he promised he's coming back. And so in the meantime, we wait. But he's told us to work. To work, to encourage each other, and to grow. How many of you want to do those things? I want to do that. Let's pray. Dear God, we need your help. Because waiting is often not in our nature. So we want you to give us a new nature. We want your help to develop that new nature through the power of your Holy Spirit. Some of us are praying big prayers. We're praying for our family members to be saved. And we pray that you will work extra in their lives today. Some of us have many other requests on our heart. Perhaps things that are only known by you that we're waiting for. Father, give us courage. Give us help. And give us strength as we wait on you. And wait for you, serving you day by day. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name.
Amen.